Well, amen. I'm glad to see you this morning. Merry Christmas to you. Amen. Amen. Well, um, today we're talking about, this is the last in this December series, talking about Jesus. It's all about Christ. And today we're calling it From the Cradle to the Grave, uh, or to the Cradle to the Cross. And here uh, on this side we have the cradle, and over here, just representing the cross, is a communion cup, which you have one. And uh, the reason Jesus died was so that he could, or was born, was so that he could die for us. And the Bible tells us to do communion to remember his death. Never told us to remember his birth, but we make a big deal out of it because he couldn't have died if he hadn't been born, right? So we, we rejoice in that. But today I want us to think about that. It's so easy to get caught up uh, at Christmas time. There's so many distractions from the truth uh, of God's word. And, 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 and frankly, even before service, I, I, in my praying, uh, Pastor Annie and I were praying together, and, and I, w- I just was thinking that so many of us have ideas about Christmas that aren't right. <laughs> uh, there's so many things that we, we get wrong because it became a tradition and all that. And, and, uh, and, and some of the things we hold dearly to aren't in the Bible or aren't really true. And, and, uh, and, and so I, I pray that all of us, God would show us the, why Jesus came, the real, the real deal about that. That's what I've been trying to do all month. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke 2. And this is something that um, I did as a child with my family. Um, on Christmas Eve, usually, this mo- Janice and I waited till this morning to do it. We're uh, empty nesters, and we, we spread ourselves around the past week and had people coming to us and us going to them. And to mo- this morning, it was just she and I. And, and uh, before we did anything else, this is what we, what we read. And I'm going to invite you to stand up just uh, to help you out a little bit. Um, and I'm going to read uh, this, what we call the Christmas story. Um, but there's a lot more to it than this. But we only have a few minutes. So let me look at this together. And I'm going to read it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you join me in prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, as we remember your birthday today, we ask that you would guide us as we look at your word, that you would uh, guard my mouth and tongue, that I would say what you want me to say, and that I would hold in that which you do not want me to say. God, may this be all of you and none of me, but Lord, even though I know that I will make mistakes, God, I pray that you would take your word and, and put it into our heart. We can't do that. Only you can do that. Help us to understand it, to see it, to believe it, to obey it, to live it as we surrender our lives into your hands. For you indeed are Lord. You are Lord of all things. You are Lord of creation. You are Lord of Lord. You are Lord of, of men. You are Lord of nature. God, and we get to call you uh, Father, our God. We get to call Jesus our Savior, our Lord, our brother. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, the comforter who lives with us, that we, to help us understand what we read. So please open our eyes of understanding, our minds to see the glorious things in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated today. If you don't take anything else home with you, take this home with you. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. And the birth of Christ absolutely shows us that. Uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a sense, and this isn't 100% true, but, but uh, the, the church's staff helped me write this sermon today. Uh, last Tuesday, when we, we meet on Tuesday mornings, I said, let's take turns. We went around reading a verse at the time, this, what I just read to you. And then I just asked, what jumped out to you? And guess what? All the good stuff jumped out to people. And I, I took notes on that, and, and it was just a way for me to organize what I'm thinking today because what I realized is the entire story of what God is doing in Christ is condensed and put in to this Luke 2 passage. Just the, the things about our salvation and, and Jesus coming to earth are, are right here. We can, we can see it. So I want to point some of that out to you this morning. First of all, I want to point out that Jesus was promised. This isn't something that just happened, that, that God ran out of good ideas, so he came himself. This, is, this was promised. The first hint of it is in Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve had sinned, and God is, is pronouncing what's going to happen next. And in addressing the, Satan in the form of that serpent, he said, I'm going to put enmity, which is hatred, or not hatred, but, but you will be each other's enemies, between your seed and her seed. And we say this over and over and over, but I want you to catch on to that, that, that only one woman ever carried seed, and that was Mary, uh, the only one who gave birth to a child without a human, uh, 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 without a, a man, a human father, that she had never known men, and, and yet she was found with child. And, and so we see that there, that that was the first hint of a promise from God. And then the whole Old Testament is telling us about his coming. That that was just the first hint. And, and he was promised and angels announced his coming. Angels announced it before they in, in Luke uh, 1. We saw that uh, over in Matthew. He's talking to Joseph about it. That angels, which showed the pre-existence of Christ. They knew he was coming. They came and said, this is going to happen. He already existed. And yet... Uh, the angels came to celebrate that. He was the son of God in heaven, knew that fact very 
well. And then this whole thing has developed throughout the Old Testament. In John chapter 5, verse 39, uh, you can read that later if you want to. But Jesus told people, you search the scriptures for in them you find eternal life. And these are they that speak about me. God, Jesus it was from the beginning and he's going to be until after the end, right? The alpha and the the first and the this is why in Philippians when he says he that began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ why in Hebrews 12 looking unto Jesus the author and the of our exactly exactly and it is so wonderful and, and in Luke uh, in the same book in chapter 24 uh, this is on the road to Emmaus and I find these words of Jesus, I reread them and, and they were so startling. I wanted to read those to you as well. Verses 25 through 27. Jesus just shows up with these guys, said, What are y'all talking about? And said, What are you strangers? And you heard. And they go through this detail of what has happened. And he and he asked them about it. And uh, and in verse 25, um, he says this: Oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Are you slow of heart to believe? What the Bible tells us. And, and I want to point out, Jesus has just risen from the dead. There hasn't been the first word of the New Testament written yet. And he says, you slow of heart, foolish people, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken about Jesus himself, about Christ. Was it not necessary that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then the verse that just has killed me ever since I first ever read it. And I don't know how old it was when I did. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Man, what a sermon. What a time. What a, what a glorious thing to hear. Jesus was promised. And all through the Old Testament, the Bible is pointing to him. And I would even say, the wise men don't enter into Luke 2. They're, they're in Matthew, and, uh, and, and you probably know this, but Jesus was about two years old before they ever got there. But they saw his star while they were still probably in Babylon. But from the time of Daniel, who was the one that predicted it, those wise men have been looking, those, those men in that area, for, for hundreds of years have been looking for Jesus to come for the Messiah to appear. And when they saw the star, they came and immediately to see. He was promised. He was expected. We talked about that last week, that the people of his day were looking for and expecting the Messiah. Last night, Pastor Stephen uh, talked to us about, are we looking for him now? Because he's, guess what? He's fixing to come back. I don't know if you know that or not. Sorry, I turned something off. I got to turn it back on so it won't make that noise anymore. I apologize. I meant to remember to do that, and I forgot. Okay, we're good. All right, um, just one of my warning things. Um, so, I, Jesus had been promised to us, and he fulfilled all those prophecies. He fulfilled all those promises. Secondly, in this story, and we see that with the angels. We see that uh, with the announcement. But in this story also, we realize that he was humbled. You see, he could not come as a God to save us. He, he could have. But he would have had to break his own word to himself. The Bible says God cannot lie. And God had set it up that the one who sins shall die. Well, he could not die because he's God. 
He could not sin because he's God. He had to make himself vulnerable to sin and then overcome it in order to die for men. And he had to do it as a man. Do you follow all that? That was a lot of words. But I hope that made sense to you. And so he became flesh. It's not that he just came to us. He became flesh for us. And he was humbled. We have the manger over here. And I, I make the joke, but this isn't what the word means. But I remind you, because usually in churches, uh, and, and, and I think we're getting away from it, but usually the manger is nice and clean. It's, it's not rough wood like this is. You know, we, whoever made this had the right idea. And, and I, I like to remind people, because we sing uh, Silent Night. We talk about the quiet Jesus and all that. The word manger has the word mange in it, right? But that's not true. You know what manger actually means? Because it's even better. It means to eat. And then it means crib. It's two words put together. It means to eat and a crib to hold the food that the animals are eating. And the Bible says in John, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And Jesus was born the bread of life and laid in the place to eat. He was humbled. He was brought low. In fact, the Bible tells us that he did that intentionally. In Philippians, it tells us that he humbled himself. He, he put aside his independent right to act as God, to depend on the Father's will and the Spirit's help to do the will of the Trinity. And something else he did by becoming humble, he put, him, he put God within reach of men. Every other religion except Christianity is men trying to get to God, right? You understand that, right? If you do these things, if you say this many words, if you go and knock on this many doors and give away literature, if you, if you ride a bicycle for two years and talk to people about uh, a, an angel that gave a false doctrine, if you, if you, if you meditate and empty your mind so demons can infiltrate until you become quote-unquote Enlightened. People talk about being enlightened or darkened, just so you know. Every one of them are trying to get to God. Christianity is the only one where God came to man. And when Jesus was born, he came so that we could see God. The Bible says this in John chapter 1, that he, he came that we might see the invisible God. And, and notice, it was so important they announced it to shepherds. Right? The press release doesn't usually go out to people watching sheep in a field. But that's where God's press release went out. Hey, come, come see the Lamb of God that is going to take away the sin of the world. Shepherds would want to see that, don't you think? And in fact, we read that they did. They said, hey, let's go check this out. You see, he was involved in coming. It, he wasn't acted on. God didn't just, he wasn't forced into it. He he volunteered. He did it himself. He thought of it. He lived out his life for our righteousness. In Philippians 3, 9, it talks about that we don't have a righteousness of our own, but our righteousness comes from Christ. And then third, I want you to see that not only was he promised and not only was he humbled, but he was going to die. Now, that's true of every one of you, by the way. I, I, some of you may not realize it. You don't think about it very much, but nobody's getting out of here alive. Y'all know that, right? I don't mean this room at this moment. If that's happening, I'll, I'm with you. I'm be looking for the door. But, but, uh, but all of us who are born are going to die. It's just a fact of life. It's 100% reality that, that will not be altered unless you happen to be alive when Jesus comes back.
And in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20, again, just a couple of verses, but so powerful. Listen to what Peter writes here. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you. What Peter is saying is that from before the foundation of the world, Jesus knew that he would come and die for us, but we didn't know it till he came. But it was predicted so we could be looking for him. He was going to die in Luke 2 in this story. In verse 7 and verse 12, we find an interesting thing. He's wrapped in cloths, right? Um, swaddling clothes, the, the uh, King James says. But you look that up, and that's mummy clothes. That's what you wrap dead bodies in. And I, I guess I had seen this before, but I didn't notice it till this time. In John 19, in verses 38 through 40, we know the story. Joseph Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus after he died on the cross so that he could bury him. And it says Nicodemus, jo that Joseph Arimathea was a secret follower. Nicodemus, who came to him at night and said, what must I do to be saved? He said, you've got to be born again. Obviously, he got born again. And those two men wrapped him up with the same clothes that he cloth, same type of cloth. He was wrapped up as a baby. But now, adding spices in there because the dead body expected him to rot and they would they would wrap them with spices so the stench wouldn't be so bad. But not realizing the, the prophecy in Psalm that the Father would not let Jesus lit, be dead long enough for his skin to begin to rot. That he would not see corruption is how it says it. But my, my daddy was an old country boy and corruption was that mess that got in a cut when it got infected. If I asked my daddy what's the matter because I thought something was the matter with him, he says no matter, it's a fresh cut. Because it hadn't got all gooked up yet. <laughs> That's how they would do it. Swaddling cloth wrapped him up. And his death was already being seen. And the Bible repeats it twice in Luke 2. About the cloth. It was important to know. He knew he was going to die. He was pointing to that from the very beginning. You see, he came to save his people from their sin. You do understand the name Jesus means... The one who saves his brothers. It's the same word as Joshua, same word as Hosea, all the same root, but it means the Savior, salvation, the one who saves his people. You see, he came to live and die as a human to be our substitute. That what Adam, as our representative head, way back in the garden, could not accomplish, Jesus came to be the new head of a new race of people. Before of all the races in the world were made from one man, Adam, whether we'll use colors, whether you're black, white, brown, yellow, pale, you know, suntanned, whatever color you might be, all came from one man. And we think of people by racial distinctions, but there is a new race that has been created, and it's called followers of Jesus Christ. Followers of the way, little Christ Christians. And he came to save us from our sin. And we no longer what we were in Adam. We still look like that. I mean, I still look like my Celtic ancestors to some degree, I guess. But that's not what I really look like anymore. All you're looking at is a house. And looking at the outside of a house, you don't know what it looks like on the inside. Right? So you don't really know what color I am. You know what color my house is. Right? 
because I'm in the new race. And it's going to be revealed one day what we're going to look like there. But here's the point of all that I've said. He did, went through all of this to go to the cross to save you. We got a cross right behind me. I guess you've noticed it there in the stained glass windows. He went to that cross so that you could know him, so that he could save you. He wants to be your savior. The story is condensed here in Luke 2. He was promised. He came. He lived a perfect life. He died. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. And today we come and when we celebrate communion, we celebrate that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Not just be born. A lot of great men have been born. A lot of great men have died. But Jesus rose again. And he didn't die because he needed to die. He died to save us. I heard recently there's a creed. Um, it's, got, it's got a distinct name. It's called the Warrior's Creed. It's got three parts. Never quit. Never give up. Never give in. And never leave your brother behind. There's never been a warrior like Jesus who never surrendered. He fought Satan. He never quit. He went all the way to the cross and died. And he is not going to leave any brothers behind. Today, if you don't know him, he wants you to come to know him. He wants to be your Lord and your Savior.